Welcome to the podcast for Windsor Road Baptist Church. Prepare your heart to receive God's message. Good morning. Hi. Um, if I haven't met you yet, I'm Ashley and I I'm oversee the youth and young adults here. Um, so it's a pleasure to um, share the word this morning. Um, stories are sometimes hard to believe. Um, we, there was an elders meeting on Thursday night. Um, Sue asked me to bring the milk. One job. I forgot the milk. So I had to grab my keys, duck back home, had my keys at the door, dropped my keys over the balcony, pitch black, couldn't see anything. Okay, plan B, go into Sue's office upstairs, grab that milk, pretend it's my milk. <laughs> and no one will know anything, right? So no one knew anything. Story... No cupboard. Apart from the only evidence would be I had to jump the fence to get my keys the next morning. So I have a scratch on my wrist, which is probably, I don't know if I've got tetanus or not yet, so I'll wait and see. (laughs) Um, But sometimes stories are hard to believe if the evidence um, doesn't seem provable or could be misguided. The resurrection story is hard to believe. I've been reading this book at the moment called Questioning Christianity. Is there more to the story? Dan Patterson wrote this book. He used to pastor at Ashgrove Baptist, um, and he was one of my lecturers at Malian. Um, and it's kind of an apologetics book where it goes through um, some of the key questions of the Christian faith. Um, and there's, in chapter 6, did Jesus really rise from the dead? This is the intro to that chapter. One of the most dangerous ideas in all of human history is the notion that Jesus rose from the dead. Why? Because it seriously calls the status quo into question. The belief that Jesus left the grave behind forever catapulted his followers to launch a courageous and sacrificial movement animated by the tangible hope that death need not spell the end of the human story. To our contemporary noses, though, belief in the resurrection smells of ancient superstition, wishful thinking, and perhaps because it flies in the face of our everyday experience. People do not come back from death. Death has aptly been described as the full stop in the grand sentence of life. Our uniform observation teaches us that death seems awfully permanent, In general, there is no debate over whether or not dead people stay dead. That is self-evidently true. The question is whether Jesus, in particular, rose from the dead, where the singularity is the entire point. I thought that was very interestingly written. As Daryl read just before, that is the passage for today, which is Luke 24, verses 1 to 12. Um, And here we have the story um, of the first people who meet the risen Lord. It is a story of the women who have um, gone to the tomb, and that is their job, to tend to the dead. These women have gone and they have um, witnessed the crucifixion, they've buried him, and now they go to the tomb to anoint his body. Suddenly they encounter the tombstone rolled away and two angels there telling them, do not fear, Jesus has said he would rise again. And then the women rush back to the disciples and they tell them this story. The disciples do not believe them and disregard it as nonsense. 
But Peter goes to the tomb and sees for himself. At the heart of the Christian story is Jesus crucified, buried, and that he was raised from the dead. If we have any historical, um, if we have any questions on this, there are so many historical facts and so many historical evidences throughout history. And thankfully, Jesus saw to it that at each of these momentous events, he saw that there were witnesses. But here, it is surprising that at the resurrection, the chief witnesses were women. In fact, only Mary Magdalene and her friends witnessed all three of these events. The disciples left at the point of crucifixion. They were not there, only apart from Joseph, the Pharisee. And the women were the only ones who were there at the resurrection. They were last at the cross. They were the ones who buried him and the first at the tomb on the light of Sunday morning. The resurrection is a hard story to believe, but it's especially hard if the witnesses are women. In the day, women were not regarded as we see women today. I certainly couldn't be doing what I'm doing today, back 2,000 years ago. But it is interesting that the disciples' disregard of the women seems pretty normal. In fact, Jesus' first disciples were his first skeptics. They seem pretty similar to the contemporary person today. Sophisticated, modern thinking, a resurrection could not happen. But the fact that women told them, even more, it could not happen. See, one of the main proofs of the resurrection story is that it wouldn't have been viable for the first century church to establish their core belief on the witnesses of women. They would have had to be there, they would have had to seen something amazing and they would have had to record it as true. Luke is clear just how skeptical these men would have been and we could not blame them either. He describes that Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, mother of James, and the rest of them, which is also a feminine plural in the Greek. And it has the irony that these were the people who considered the first apostles, the first people to see the resurrected Jesus and to share that message. Yet it is interesting, the women struggle to solidify their faith. They return and they see that there is caution and that their viewpoint, their viewpoint would have been dismissed as idle talk, as nonsense. Um, for women back then would have been um, deemed as hysterical or blame, brainless babbling, which would be hard to come against when you've literally just seen the risen Lord Jesus. But this is interesting because throughout the Gospels, Jesus deliberately chooses to appear to women. So this shouldn't become a surprise to us that the first people to see the risen Lord are women. Mary, the mother of Jesus, in Luke 1, is the first one to receive the message that the Messiah will be born and will be born of her. Anna, the prophetess, in Luke chapter 2, she was widowed for many years she spent day and night at the temple fasting and praying. And she met Joseph and Mary and baby Jesus when he was being dedicated to the temple. 
And she believed that he was the Messiah, and she began to tell the rest of Jerusalem that Jesus had come. The woman at the well in John 4 is the longest theological discussion Jesus has with anyone. And it was a woman, a woman who was despised by the whole culture, men and women included. But she was the one that Jesus spent time telling him that he is the one who will save her. Martha, as Lazarus is, about, is dying and is dead, she weeps and wails to Jesus saying, you could have done something. I believed you could have done something. And Jesus tells her, I am the resurrection and the life. And there, Martha confesses that she believes Jesus is the son of God, the Messiah. So now we get to Mary Magdalene, this lady who was redeemed by Christ after being um, a prostitute for many years with many demons in her. She was one of the first to be saved by Christ, and she was allowed to sit at the feet of Jesus, which is a technical phrase used for a disciple. So she was there on the inn of everything he was saying throughout his whole ministry. And here she is, doing her duty, attending to his, his body, his dead body. She did not expect to be the first witness of the resurrection. So why did the risen Lord choose women to be the first eyewitnesses of his resurrection? Well, the simple argument is that they were meant to be there. They were the ones who would do that duty. But is there more to the reasoning of why they were there? David Schools writes, all the gospels show that it was Jesus' women disciples who were the first persons to declare the message of Jesus' resurrection, central to the gospel in the early church. So why did Jesus choose to reveal who he was to these women? Through this simple seemingly non, shouldn't mean anything. As Jesus does, he redeems those who are outcasted in society and those who are, um, who are poor and suffering and oppressed. And he elevates them and he values them and he sees them. See, most, most scholars would see that Jesus does elevate women. However, sometimes it is overlooked, and this is probably my theology, coming, my theology coming through, so I understand if you have differing ideas as well. Um, but Jesus, in a way, overcomes, sorry, uncovers the value of women, but also, in this particular moment, unleashes this group of women into ministry. These are the first people to evangelise. These are the first people to share the gospel to a culture, to a world who would say, you know, you cannot speak, you cannot say anything. Why would these people be chosen to share the message of the resurrection? It only makes sense when you read Jesus throughout the whole Bible, where he's there and he's eating dinner with the sinner. And he's there and he's healing the leper. And he's there and he's spending time with the widow. And so he's there and he's spending time with the women. 
And here, the early church fathers fondly called Mary Magdalene the apostle of the apostles. If an apostle is sent out to witness the resurrection, she was deserved of this title. It's interesting comparing Luke's interpretation to Mark's interpretation. Mark kind of writes it as if these were just girls going off to tell the other guys. But Luke features it as their spontaneous initiative, as a continuation of what they see. They see this and they have to tell. There is no inclusion of their gender in this. This is just the response of seeing the resurrection. So the resurrection is a story that is hard to believe. But it would have been harder to believe, especially if it was in the first century and women were telling you. So what can we learn about Christ in this time? In our church, in our families, in our workplaces, how can we see that everyone is elevated and dignified? But for the purpose of this sermon, how are we seeing that women are dignified? And we live in Australia and we are so privileged. And the, but there is still injustice happening around us that we are aware of and that we aren't aware of. But for me, I think this is a distinctly Christian value that we see women as our sisters in Christ and women who are elevated because that is how our Lord Jesus sees them. In other cultures and other religions, women are not by any means seen as a person. But this is what our God and our Lord says. We've even seen this as a movement around the world where all the rugby teams and all the soccer, the women's rugby team, the women's soccer team are now, um, are now are progressing into the spotlight a bit more. So it's interesting that the world around us is also seeing a need for this as well. But I think for me, how are we modelling to the young girls in the youth group, in the kids' church, that they are valued, that they have dreams and aspirations, and that their education is good, and that the Lord sees them as equal? In your families, if you're a husband, your love for your wife is such a testimony to the living and risen Christ. If you see your wife and you love her and you lay yourself down for her, that is a distinctly Christian witness. If you're a brother, how can you love your sister more? How can you cherish her? How can you care for her? How can you see her as Christ would see her? And if you're a sister, how can we encourage and lift up each other as well? In the workplace, I know Jackie Smith does amazing work with women who have been um, suffering from domestic violence and they're recovering financially. Hannah Cruz does all of her work in, um, in Africa to um, help those women restore their dignity and return back to society healthy. Agencies like Bloom and Destiny Rescue that help young let young children get out of sex slavery. 
How can we help particularly support women around the world being elevated and seen as Christ would see them? How can they be set free from the oppression that they are feeling with the love of Christ? So as we go into our week and we think that the risen Lord had a plan in showing himself to women for the first the first ever encounter of him as a resurrected glorious person what was his plan and how can we partner in that with him how can we continue to redeem the status of women in our everyday today let me pray for us Lord God, thank you so much that you do miracles, God, that the resurrection is hard to believe. And you had a plan in choosing women to be the first witnesses of your risen body, Jesus. Even though we don't understand how you work sometimes, help us to understand, God. Help us to see how you see us. Help us to love the women in our life, the young girls in our life, Lord, and how we can love them better and how we can see them and dignify them as testimony um, to our faith in you, God. Give us strength to do that, Lord. Help us to see where we have wronged or if we need to forgive someone or if we need to seek forgiveness in you, Lord. But help us together as a church to to model that to the world around us, God, a distinctively Christian value that women are equally loved, as well as with the outcast and everyone who is oppressed. Lord, we are all equal before you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that you have been blessed by the message. Windsor Road Baptist Church is a growing intergenerational and international community of people committed to whole life discipleship. Please visit us at windsorroad.org.au to connect with us and to learn more about our church.